Radio Elk Grove. Can you run a campaign on the issues without any contributions? One candidate is trying. Meet Lynn Wheat. Welcome to Radio Elk Grove, Elk Grove's only internet radio magazine. I'm your host, Denny Gomez. Thanks for tuning in. In this edition, Lynn Wheat is running a different kind of campaign. It's issue-driven, grassroots, with absolutely no outside contributions allowed. But can she compete? Meet the candidate, Lynn Wheat, on today's Radio Elk Grove. Let's look into it together. Are you subscribed to Radio Elk Grove? It's free, and we're working hard to bring you a unique perspective on our city. So click the subscribe tab on our homepage, or you can search and like Radio Elk Grove on Facebook, or text follow Radio Elk Grove to 40404 for Twitter updates. Stay in the know by staying connected. Lynn Wheat is no stranger to Elk Grove politics and public affairs. Wheat has long been one of the public voices asking for accountability from our city government. Usually heard in meetings of the city council, Wheat has now taken the issues directly to the voters by joining the race to be the first elected mayor in our brief history. Candidate Wheat is doing the unthinkable in politics. She's not just running on the issues, she's also refusing any campaign contributions, preferring to campaign face-to-face with the public. One of Wheat's forums for reaching out to the voters is her coffee shop-based Meet the Candidate get-togethers. The fourth of these meetings was held recently at the Starbucks on Elk Grove Boulevard in Franklin, armed with only a humble tabletop sign, a simple handout, and a small diagram. Wheat spoke one-on-one from the heart about the things that have caused her to seek the mayor's office to a small group of supporters and first-time visitors. Prior to the meeting, Ms. Wheat gave us the following in-depth interview. She spoke on why she's running, qualities of leadership, the SOI, job creation, and more. We began by discussing her call for campaign finance reform, a proposal Wheat is modeling in her run for mayor, which is based in part on a city ordinance on the books in West Sacramento. Now, what is the ordinance in West Sacramento? How does that work for them, and how do you think it could work for us? Well, I think that it really identifies, I haven't read it in detail, but it identifies where the contributions come from. It identifies spending limits. And the part that I appreciate the most was when they passed the ordinance, what they were looking at, and why they felt it was significant to have an ordinance. And it really levels the playing field as far as, in my eyes, as far as who's running for city council and where those contributions are coming from. I think it also enables others that may not be able to get that kind of money an opportunity to run because that's why I'm choosing to run on the platform I'm choosing to run on, which is to not accept any contributions, run my own campaign using my own money of under $1,000 to to say to people, I think that the spending on campaigns at the local level, especially when you consider the economy of today, is exorbitant. It's it's too much. And what, why? You know, what is the benefit to having such significant campaign contributions? How does it benefit you and I and even those that are sitting on on the council presently? 
Why is that a good approach as opposed to, say, something like a mandatory forums where uh, all candidates would be given a voice, that type of approach? Uh, in my experience, when they've had forums before, you have to look at the population that lives within our city. It's a lot of young families that are busy with their children with school. And for one reason or another, work schedules, the forums aren't heavily attended. So the few that do gather some really great information, but it doesn't go out to all. And we need a mechanism where all the information could go out to all the individuals in, with, their busy, with their busy lifestyles. So I, I don't see forums alone as being successful in getting out the individual uh, messages of the campaigns. We do have media that offers another avenue, but I think that the messages aren't always given out in the signs that are posted around town and a few of the um, pieces that might be um, received in our mail or left at our doorstep. One of the issues that you've brought is that of fiscal responsibility. What would you give as an example of fiscal irresponsibility, something that should be curbed or has gotten out of control now? Well, I look at what they're doing for for jobs and, and the business incentives that they're offering. Uh, I'm concerned about the $3.3 million that they offered and said it was about bringing jobs. Well, it didn't create new jobs. It just moved jobs from Sacramento into Elk Grove, which then doesn't really... Con- we're part of a region, and I believe that we need to be a regional player. And in doing that and taking jobs from Sacramento to bring to Elk Grove, we really didn't create new jobs for for um, the region. The other part that concerns me about this was the fiscal analysis that was done to determine how would we see those incentives reimbursed to the city? How would we see those monies coming back to the city? And the response that I received was that the individuals, the 1,500 individuals, would be going to our restaurants, buying lunch. They would be visiting our auto mall, buying cars. Now, I'm thinking that if they're living here in the city, their jobs, they are now close to their job, maybe commuting five miles, eight miles a day, that they're not going to need to be replacing their car so often. I ask about the duration of time as far as when we would see this. It's 10 years. Well, at this time, that's, that is the lease on the offices that the Department of Corrections will have. So, so I don't know if this was the best bang for our buck as far as trying to, to say we're going to have jobs here. They say that this will bring, you know, I'm, I hear that this will bring more jobs to our city. Well, thinking from a business perspective, others are going to be looking for incentives too. And where will all those monies come from? I had one council member suggest that we will give business incentives as long as there's money. So then what happens when the money runs out? Are we just going to then assume that businesses will come here freely? Have we created an environment within our city that the businesses will want to come? Now, you say that it seems to you that, um, that we should think regionally, and yet as a council member or a council person or as the mayor, isn't it um, their job or wouldn't it be your job to think about Elk Grove and let the region take care of itself? You know what? This is about collaboration and coordination and working together. Yes, as mayor, it's it, it's very, very important for me to think of Elk Grove. But what when I think about Elk Grove, what I think will benefit Elk Grove if we look at it regionally. Let's take, for instance, I'll just take one of my concerns as a nurse, is air pollution. Well, we have the sixth worst in ozone. When the city looks at expanding outside our current city boundaries by 8,000 acres, we don't have light rail 
people down into our our, our uh, city. Um, I'm not totally convinced that the bus service is, is functioning at a level that it should to get people out of their cars, then we're going to create more pollution. That won't just hurt us in Elk Grove, it's going to hurt the region. So I think when I speak of, yes, my primary, my primary job will be Elk Grove, but I also will be representing Elk Grove. And we most certainly don't want to cut ourselves off from the other cities within our region. We need some team effort here. We need to work in coordination. The SOI, or the uh, sphere of influence, has been a subject of yours, and you, of course, were, what, a co-founder of GRASP, or actually a founder? An an organizing partner. An organizing partner of GRASP, which is um, meant to bring forth these issues to the public. Correct. Um, What do you think are the main issues with the sphere of influence that we should basically look at and say, this is not what we want, this is a danger to us? Well, I think that the, the city hasn't justified the need enough for it. And then, of course, you know, they started the process, you know, just about the time the market was at the top. And since then, there's been significant market changes. So is it really needed? They, they say it's about bringing jobs to our city. But how about bringing jobs to the 3,000 vacant acres that we currently have? And they can't even tell us for certainty the amount of vacant retail and commercial and industry that we have within our city. And I believe that we need to take a look at that before expanding outward. And, and I asked two questions. What was the motivation for this? Really didn't get a response other than jobs. But explain to me, how are the jobs going to come? If we're giving $3.3 million to move 1,500 already jobs from downtown Sacramento to here, how are we going to get new jobs by land? Now, they might be temporary jobs because of construction. We'd be building something. But will they be sustainable-type jobs? That, that's what we really need for the city of Elk Grove is sustainable jobs. So with this in mind, sustainable jobs, what proactively do you think steps do you think we should be going in to create those kind of jobs, and what kind of jobs would they be? Well, I think they've talked about biotech and, and this, this is what the city has been talking about. I think that that should be investigated for our region. And this is where, if, if you do some research, some of the biotechs around ag. And, and we have that ag land that, that's outside our city limits now that's county. But we somehow can work with those farmers out there to create some manufacturing-type facilities with within our city. They're looking at medical. They, they've um, Some have described this as to become the future medical mecca. Um, you know, one of the, the, the medical firms that was going to come here, it's been slowed down. But even that process for bringing that certain company here has slowed down a little bit. I don't have all the answers of how we would do it. But see, we've hired experts. Our development director is supposed to be an expert. We have a city manager that's supposed to help coordinate that. So I see, as a mayor, I'm in a leadership role that gives the vision, that gives some of the guidance, but we have these experts that we hired that should have that, a stronger knowledge base than I should as to what's gonna, how this could work for our city, and that they should bring their expertise forward and say, these are the steps I suggest we take. The um, Sacramento Bee recently reported, reported the point of view that the Elk Grove mayor's office was going to be mostly ceremonial. And we know that's not true because you ha- you would be a voting member of the council. But besides that voting power, how would you use the office to bring about some of the changes you'd like to see occur? 
by being the leader and engaging all of our community, the business community, our residential community, the school district, all of those that have a buy in the city and creating some more open transparency where, where I'll, I'll give the example. Down in Sacramento, we know that Sutter Memorial is in the process of being closed and that there's a developer that's going to develop that region. They went out to all the neighbors before they even had anything on paper. And I think that that's what we need to do as a city before we even consider items on paper. We should, we should be able to go to the residents and say, how's this working in your neighborhood? What do you see going on? And that, that again, speaks to what I've talked to many, many times at council is the general plan. We have the 25 general plan amendments and rezones so that our cities become pieced together. As the mayor, I believe my role would have been to look at that the general plan, which was created by the businesses and the residents, and that was to be the guiding vision of our city. As a mayor, we're supposed to support that guiding vision and that document that was adopted in 2003. And it has been changed so many times that it no longer probably is the vision that the people really had. And, and what that has done has, has created some uncertainty for homeowners. If you come to an area and something's not developed across the street and you go, go to the city and you look at the general plan, it might not necessarily be what the general plan's saying it's going to be. So that would give some uncertainty. Businesses with the rezones would give some uncertainty to all the already um, the landowners that are currently own that property. You know, if something's changed in the middle of it, then can they still have their type of business there? Or if that if they're renting to somebody and they move out, does that mean they, they can't support that type of business and it has to be whatever uh, is it is now zoned? So that that's so I see the mayor is working with the community, all of the community, and coming up with a plan and, and defined guidelines. This is your fourth of these meet the candidates. How has the response been thus far? It's been very good. They've been really receptive to my ideas. I think the community wants more information. I think it's at a time now where our city's settled, that people are settled into their in, into their homes or settled into the community, seeing what's going on and want some answers around that. And I think that I'm sharing that information with them, sharing what I see as a vision for the city, my concerns of where it's been, where it's been going and where we need to move to as far as fiscal responsibility, as far as really rethinking the sphere of influence. Does that benefit our entire city and everybody living within our city? You've been an active voice in front of the city council, uh, bringing forth some very intelligent, well-thought-out points of view for months that I've been covering that beat. Um, I want to know, this is your first shot at public office. What has brought you out at this time, and for specifically this um, this role as mayor, to, to throw, put your hat in the ring? I think because I have been so active in the city council meetings and a number of other public hearing meetings and not not really um, being felt like I was heard with some of the issues that I've brought up and then having some of the public say to me, you know, that, that well, it's not going to change. It's not going to change. And I believe that we can change things within our city government if someone's willing to step out. And when I, when I had some come and say, how about you, Lynn? How about you stepping out and doing this or that? I'm willing to do that, and I have the support for that. And I, and I think the other motivating factor for me was, was many people um, that it's been since 2009 since we've had any hearings on the sphere of influence, and I really needed, to, I, I really need and want 
for the whole city of Elk Grove, all of the residents, to be able to participate or have an understanding of what that means. What does it mean to annex 8,000 more acres, and will that make our city better? I don't, I don't believe it will make it better. It will make it bigger. And I feel right now we need to work on making it better, and I'm hearing many individuals say the same thing. Let's work on what we have. I've heard some say we don't need to get any bigger. What? They want to grow? Why? And so these are they ask these questions, they make these statements, and we need to have some more dialogue around that. And that's what I would like to do as mayor, is agendize this, have this discussed again, and really get all the communities, go out to the different neighborhoods and really get them give them the opportunity to get involved and feel like their voice matters. Now, when we were speaking a little um, earlier, we were talking about the mall project. Tell me, what do you think is the most important steps that can be taken to bring this back to life? There needs to be some real dialogue with the Howard Hughes Corporation, and I believe our city council has had that with them. But we also have to, to ask them, as a corporation, what are you looking for? Because I know that they have um, engaged in developing some malls in some other areas, so what is keeping them from moving here? And we need to then see what that is, and then take that out to the people. What What is keeping it from being a mall? I, I do have some concerns, because when the mall came up the first time, around, we didn't hear that they had signed any leases with any tenants. And, and, and my concern currently is that if they are looking at all, uh, taking tenants that are already here, say, suppose Target, will that mean that the Target on Laguna would close and then we would have another empty retail space within our, our city core? So, Much like the consideration with Walmart, are we going to have one closed and one open? Right. So, so maybe I mean maybe this is a wild idea. Um, Howard Hughes Corporation is you know has a diverse portfolio. Maybe they would consider doing something else with that property. One concern uh, that some people have is whether or not you have the leadership background to um, to function effectively as the leader of our city. Um, I believe I do, and that comes with my um, being a registered nurse, having worked with a diverse group of people and populations, and, and, and knowing how to coordinate, how to communicate, how to gather people together, how to run meetings, you know, and, and how to, to really go out there and say, I represent Elk Grove, and I want the best for Elk Grove. I want you to visit Elk Grove. I want you to live Elk Grove, and I want you to participate. How can I help that? How can I help you to participate? What could we do different in our meetings that would help you do that and and to really take our you know take it out when when some project's going to come forth to really say are the residents aware of this i want them right there is the business aware of this to go to the business communities and ask them because they know what's going to work for your business here and i can give an example of when uh, old town was redone i remember that they were talking about um, the planter boxes you know who was going to be um, responsible for those planter boxes well that that could be an early stage an early process let's come together with the business and the city and say okay what would you like this this design to look like they have with the 1200 acres of the southeast 
planning area. They've looked at some of that, but they even came with some kind of sketches. And, and, and at, that, at those meetings, I mean, this is an opinion, I just felt kind of directed in what they were looking for in those areas. And to hear that they had a separate meeting with the landowners, and then they had the meeting with the community. How about if we join the meetings together so everybody can be on the same page at one time? It seems that most of the development in the city center project has been fueled by the interests of the public, the private sector, and that uh, I haven't seen any plans to date really developing for the, the library, the museum, the public aspects of that. We haven't heard much from that, and, and I think it's because they keep looking at different ideas. And when they, when they um, had the architect do the drawings and schematics, and they spent the money on that, which was um, $900,000 for that initial output. We still don't have anything from that, and it was almost let's take it back to the drawing board. So there's some, you know, there was a vision. The residents participated in that. There were surveys done, but we've kind of bounced around. So I can't even say where it's at now because I haven't heard about it for a while. So so I think in having creating a vision, we need those first steps. And how, are, how let's go through each of the steps. Uh, when they chose the architect, you know, if I remembering, there were some that said, how, how about somebody that's closer and at that time I don't know that you know we're we're going to shop local live local do all this local and yet we go to England for someone to design our civic center and that to me was okay we, we as a city ought to model it and so I will take that back to I believe that we need local campaign finance reform so I'm modeling it with my campaign so will getting the city center on track and somehow visible to us uh, be a, a major part of your uh, work as mayor? It would be. Let's, let's, let's get on track. Let's look at what we're doing. Have a vision here. Not keep bouncing around from idea to idea. So it went from the Civic Center. Now it's a, you know, a big sports complex. I think what happened was they had a lot of ideas for that property but it's not enough land for all the ideas that they came up with. So, so somewhere the experts, I think, in, in, in planning should have said, okay, you have some great ideas. Let's, let's, we need to put these on the table. Let's show you how it's going to work within this land plan, and will this work? So that they're, they're, instead of the, the city council necessarily saying, we want, we want, we want, we need somebody to be able to respond and say, well, let's, let's think about this. How is this going to work? We, we've heard what the public wants, but is it going to work on this particular parcel? In some ways, the mayoral campaign appears, at least in the hands of some of the candidates, to be more like a popularity contest than um, an issue-driven campaign. Yours is, of course, very issue-driven. How do you feel that you're going to be able to compete with the the schmoozier aspects of of politics? By just keeping sticking to my message. And that's how, you know, I think that it's a time now people are looking at things a little bit differently and that they will consider my message. They will check out my website. They will email me with their questions. They will join me on Facebook. And as I continue to have these informal uh, uh, coffee gatherings, then it will help educate and create some dialogue so I can hear from the residents what their concerns are, and they can also hear why I'm running, what has concerned me over the last few years and and probably in, in the last couple for sure of what direction the city's taking. What else do you have planned for your campaign? 
besides these get-togethers? There will be walking and talking and engaging in conversation. I'm kind of calling this the good gossip campaign, talking about the issues, talking about what my plant form is, what I'd like to see, hear their visions, share my visions, and I know that we can all work together really well as a community to create that vision that, that gives us a quality of life and a sustainability and a workforce and homes and places to recreate that we all want. What would you give me as a picture of what Elk Grove should really be? What leads you and fuels you in this? Well, you know what? It has one. Elk Grove is a community of wonderful people. They, you know, we know that they donate a lot of time, services, you know, help one another out. I know that from my experience with my kids as they went through the school system and as, as a nurse working out in the community. And so I want all that, and I want us to have the foundation where it's safe to walk, where it's safe to bike, where we, have, we don't have to always be tied to our vehicle, that there's another form of transportation, and we offer a variety of housing to meet all the needs here. Uh, I, you know, I'm concerned with the senior population. I want them to be able to remain as independent as they can for as long as they can. When we have grocery stores that they frequented closing and they don't have a way to, to you know, they no longer can walk to the store, that's concerning to me. We need to be able to to, to meet everybody's needs. And I want to. Ha- I believe I have that broad picture that can do that. I can look at the young families. I can look at, at the um, young couples, the single and married couples, and what kind of lifestyle that they would like within our city, which offers another housing element of which we should consider, which is condominiums. And then bringing the core of the city, this, where the civic center is, that's kind of the core, which I think would nicely connect Um, the Laguna area and Old Town Elk Grove and really define us as a city. Well, I want to wish you the best of luck in your campaign. Thank you so much for talking with us. Thank you. Our thanks to Lynn Wheat, candidate for Elk Grove's first elected mayor position this next election. You can connect with the Wheat campaign at www.lynnwheat.com. Radio Elk Grove also has full interviews with candidates Jerry Braxmeyer, Gary Davis, and Greg Higley. Just click on the appropriate keyword at the bottom of our post. This is Radio Elk Grove. You've been listening to Radio Elk Grove. Radio Elk Grove is written and produced by Denny Gomez, who is solely responsible for its content. Music is written and created by Jason Elmore. Thanks for listening.